Thanks for joining us for the Cultured Meat and Future Food Show. Robert Yeaman's Cultured Abundance is an open source resource on the science of cell-based meat. It's designed to help scientists, entrepreneurs, investors, and future industry suppliers go from intermediate to expert. It contains analyses of cell-based meat patents, white papers, literature reviews, and many other resources. Check out the site at culturedabundance.com. Global Table is the new agribusiness event taking place in Melbourne this September. Get your tickets at globaltable.com.au. I'll be moderating a panel on next-gen proteins, including plant-based and cell-based meat. The Cultured Meat Symposium, or CMS-19, is taking place in San Francisco on November 14th and 15th. Learn more and register at www.cms19.com. Use coupon code FUTUREFOODSHOW for a special discount. Thanks for joining us for the Cultured Meat and Future Food Show. On this episode, we sit down with Robert Petrarca, where we talk about scaling a product and overcoming challenges when creating consumer packaged goods. Robert Petrarca is the co-founder and CEO of Maxine's Heavenly, a line of vegan, gluten-free, oat-based cookies with half the sugar as a leading natural brand of cookies. Maxine's Heavenly cookies are mom's homemade recipe, but so much better for you. Founded in 2013 and formally launched in 2016, Maxine's Heavenly has experienced triple-digit growth for the last three years, gaining traction through major retailers like Whole Foods Market, Natural Grocers, and Walmart. Previously, Robert co-founded TTC, a nonprofit cultural arts company that created revenue partnership models with California state parks and local food and wine purveyors in the North Bay. TTC was and continues to be a rapid growth organization that scaled revenues over 700% in the first three years. For this episode, we had the pleasure of sitting down with Robert in San Francisco. Thanks for joining us on the Future Food Show. I'm here with Robert Petrarca, the founder and CEO of Maxine's Heavenly. And Robert, you're based in LA, but right now we're in San Francisco. Tell us about a little bit about your background and how you really got started working with food products. Sure. So I come from a background um, completely unrelated to the food industry. So I was actually in um, theater, production, film, live events, and on the nonprofit side of business. And uh, I never probably in a million years would have dreamed that I would end up running a food company. Um, I think I always had the entrepreneurial spirit and I, and I, have you know notes of that throughout my history but um but now it's it's nice to be kind of at the helm of it so i came from that world uh, my business partner actually and co-founder was in computer software in bank check processing so totally unrelated fields and um, it was actually his inspiration to create a cookie company that was based on his mother's really famous homemade family recipe for these toll house inspired cookies and at the time that he was starting to get serious about this as he was phasing out of computer software. He was going through this sort of health revolution and eating better. And I'm a long-term vegetarian vegan. And so I was helping him kind of put together this company and, and brainstorm how to get it started because I had some experience with that. Before he started. Before he started, okay. yeah. And uh, we decided it might be a fun exercise to kind of take the spirit of that recipe and give it kind of a facelift for what we know today about better eating since we both had been very deeply impacted by the health decisions we were making in our personal lives and how we were changing how we ate to feel better and, and, and find our optimal health. 
So it was a cool, interesting entryway. And then when we got into that world, we realized the natural specialty world in food is really exciting and very well aligned with who we were as people and what we wanted to accomplish in this world. And so, uh, you know, we sort of stumbled into it and uh, went from casual to serious. And here we are today. Cool. And so Maxine's, you mentioned that it was your co-founder's grandmother's recipe. Mother's recipe. Uh, mother's recipe. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I said grandmother because usually you think of that, yeah, the yes, grandmother's of course, yeah. cookie, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so it was, it was your co-founder's mother's recipe. When did you, and that was not originally gluten-free vegan, right? It was not gluten-free. It was not vegan. It was loaded with Crisco and butter and processed sugars and white flour. All the things that you loved that made it taste wonderful, but at the time, nobody really knew they aren't that great for you. Yeah. And so when you uh, you and your co-founders started working on this product, did any of you have food science experience? Absolutely nothing at all. And actually, that was pro- that probably in the grand scheme of the last four years of our, our company's trajectory has probably been the steepest learning curve and the thing that we've had to focus on the most because we actually picked one of the most challenging things to try to accomplish, a gluten-free vegan baked product. I mean, there are a lot of inherent challenges from shelf stability to structure structural integrity that i mean it's just a myriad of problems that we've had to face and we first tried them i think about a month or so ago and and they're really really good i think you described it or the style of cookie you described as like nestle toll house cookie i haven't had one of those in probably many many years but but this gives me everything i want and kind of like that soft and delicious cookie and so so at how big is the team now uh right now we have five full-time people Five-fold and time. that includes me and my business partner, and my oh, co-founder. Yeah, I see. Okay, and when when you and, and you said that you were working with your co-founder to figure out really, you know, how to build this brand, this idea up as a company. Yeah. You know, when did you when did you realize that this is the the spot for us? Right. There's a lot of other competitors on the market for any type of cookie, whether it's vegan or not. Probably not as many for vegan, gluten-free. Uh, but but how did you know that there was room for Maxine's Heavenly in this crowded market? That's actually a really great question, and it sort of implies that we had some sense of self-awareness when we started off, but we really didn't. And I wish I could say that you know we were. I, I think actually that ignorance was really a benefit, and I think probably like many co-founders, at least in this industry, which is I think populated with a lot of people that have great spirits and, and, and morals and, and ideals, and those are the things that drive you. So for us, I don't think we knew anything about market segment, the category, um, the category opportunity. I don't even know that we knew that we were choosing something that was differentiating us as a product. We were just aligning our personal values with the product we wanted to create, and that just happened to be preserve this experience because we wanted to eat that cookie every single day, but we didn't want to feel bad about it because it didn't reflect our current values. So we were trying to accomplish that and then make it just the cleanest, healthiest version, but calibrating it to the experience. And I think in doing that, that was differentiating and it was new in the category. And I think over the years, we've just doubled down on that effort, realizing that, oh, this initial inspiration, which was pure and, and driven by what is naturally a part of us, that really is the differentiator. So we just sort of doubled down on the message that is authentically how the brand was born in the first place. We've seen a, an increase in plant-based products on the market. Yes. And it's, it's definitely a, uh, well, I don't want to, is it a trend? Would you consider it a trend? 
No, I mean, I think maybe it was more trendy in the past, but I think this is, I think this feels more like a fundamental shift, right. which is exciting. So, so I guess labeling it as a shift, and, and I definitely see it as that, what do you think has really spurred that? We are seeing Beyond Meat IPO at multiple billion dollar valuation. We're seeing Impossible Foods raise a ton of money. That's just in the plant-based meat sector. But then you see a lot of other plant-based categories gaining huge valuation, raising a lot of money. What do you think is the reason behind this? Yeah, it's a great question. And I don't, you know, I don't know that I'm necessarily the expert to answer, but what I will say, because I do have a long history with veganism and vegetarianism, I've been a vegetarian now for 20 years and vegan mostly for the, the last like five, six years. Um, and I've seen the conversation evolve. Um, so I think my instincts would be to answer that by saying, I think the conversation has just gotten more nuanced and multifaceted. Um, you start, I think you starting to see a bigger emphasis on things like the environment and the future of our world and sustainability and things that um, I don't think were as prominently a part of the conversation around veganism. And for whatever reason that's activated, I think a new cohort of people who are interested in adopting either the lifestyle and or just making it more a part of their everyday uh, life, which I think both are, are great impact, <clears throat> excuse me, I think both are great impactful ways that people can contribute to a healthier planet and, and personal diet. Um, so I think that's probably one. Two, I think even the shift from the word veganism to plant-based, which I have all sorts of mixed feelings about, I, I actually think that what has developed in that is a different perception of um, veganism just being and plant-based eating being a healthier way of living your life. So I think those are two messages that have have um, colored the conversation with more more nuances and has allowed an entryway for a lot more people into the conversation. And that would be my, from that's speaking from my personal experience and what I'm seeing around me, having been pretty deeply involved in the plant-based world for a while now. I was listening to a podcast with David Benzikin of Plant-Based Solutions and Ocean Hugger Foods, and he was saying that a lot of these plant-based products are, are heavily being not just targeted, but purchased by flexitarians, reducitarians. Are you seeing the same with Maxine's Heavenly? It's interesting. You know, I, we're not a huge uh, company where we have as m the ability to connect as deeply through data to our customers as we would like. Hopefully, as we continue to evolve, we'll get more sophisticated in knowing the people who are buying and engaging with our products. Um, but yeah, I think what's happening regardless. So we are uh, a vegan product, but we also are gluten-free and we also are low sugar and naturally sweetened. So those are three very hot market segments. Um, so it's interesting because you never know who's getting pulled in based on what attribute. Um, but I do think in general, we are seeing just an interest from consumers um, in the product as a standalone product. Um, the fact that it happens to be these other things um, are, is only a, an added benefit and, and it helps uh, you know, support the product, but it's not the be all end all. So, so I, I definitely think that there's a more um, nuanced kind of activity that's happening around consumers where it's, it's not just black and white. This flexitarianism idea is, is huge and I think it's awesome. That's great. So looking at the packaging, beautiful design. I was actually, I was on the website earlier today Thank and I, I was, I was actually thinking like, 
for a company that is not like competing with Oreo, <laughs> this website is beautiful. Brilliant. Yeah. And I think Thank when you. we spoke, it might have been the same site, and you said you're updating it still. That's so correct. I'm really excited to see that next version. Um, but you have a very small team. What do you on that team, what does your schedule look like on a day-to-day basis? What do you spend most of your time on? Sure. I think when you're running a small brand, and we definitely are a small brand, you have your your hands to some degree in, in everything. So I feel like I have a pretty manic day in that it, it changes tone and subject matter like hourly. So I'll be doing anything from business development and relationship building and, and, and keeping my eye on, on fundraising and making sure that we're properly financially supported. And then I'll be shifting into operation mode and looking at plan demand and growth trajectories um, and re- increasing margins and capacity. And then I may be shifting in, in a sales conversation where I'm talking about channel strategy and, uh, and, and, and growth um, and our revenue targets. So it's really all over the map. And I think the goal <laughs> over time is that it becomes uh, less crazy and, and more focus on growth strategy, on be- strategic relationships about the, the bigger vision trajectory of the brand um, and less so in the weeds. But I think, you know, as any young entrepreneur and, and um, an early stage company, there's no choice unless you're significantly funded right out the gate. There's no choice but to, to, to approach things that way. And in fact, I think it's really an asset because the, the deeper you are connected to the nuances of your business, I think the deeper you, you affect your chances of success in a really crowded and challenging field. We're starting to see uh, more people go from different industries into the food industry. And I, I want to say that there were, have been a couple recent successes that uh, attribute to that. Uh, one of them is in the bar category, RX bar, mm-hmm. uh, which is, is something that people reference quite a bit. But you don't have, a, a, you know, not having a background in food, where, you, uh, where do you get answers to questions that you have? Are there resources that you use that... Uh, help you from business decisions? Is it the advisory board or board advisors that, that helps you out? What are some resources that you use to figure out these, uh, these challenges yeah. or, or uh, day-to-day operations in the food world? Yeah. I think you hit it on the head. I think anybody um, coming into this, this arena needs to have a really strong network of people around them. So I wouldn't say there's one go-to resource place, but I would say that we have relied significantly on and have been really very blessed to have a strong network of people around us. And that's not a casual thing. Like it takes a very strong effort to go out and build a network in a community. Um, but it's critical because it's, it's lonely when you're starting off and you're by yourself and there is power in having a, a, a community of people in the similar field, like maybe going through the same journey, the same size as you or experiencing the same problems. And then absolutely people outside of your area of expertise and experiences who have been down this road and who can offer a, a bit of advice. And, and frankly, for us, it's been a lifesaver. We've just been surrounded by awesome people. And it's because we've been actively trying to talk to everybody we can find and ask one person to introduce us to another and, and be relentless about that. And we are so lucky, I think both in, the natural products world and in the plant-based world to be surrounded by some fantastic people who are doing this because of the heart and the morals and because of what they believe in. And that's a real lucky 
time to be in and, and market to be in because it makes all the work rewarding. And if you open your eyes and go out there and try to find a network of people, you'll find it because people are very receptive to it. And I hope that if you know we are in a huge position of success down the road, that I will remain humble and be an, a resource to anybody who wants to come to me and, and build you know something in that's part of their own dream. So where is Maxine's distributed now? Is it all online? Do you have any retail presence? Yeah, we have. Uh, we are direct to consumer online, and we are sold through Amazon. But our principal business is actually on the retail level. So we have about uh, about fourteen hundred points of distribution at this point, um, and mostly in natural specialty stores. So we'll be in accounts like Whole Foods or Natural Grocers, and we're very uh, centralized around Southern California because that's where we started. So we had the most control over how to grow and augment our, our presence in that environment. Um, so we're in a lot of the medium-sized grocery chains, especially natural and specialty. And we are, as of February, in about just under 500 Walmart stores as they are making an effort to, to, to really reach consumers who, in a better for you modular that's you know, gluten-free, some plant-based options, some, some cool trajectory. So it really shows you how deep this shift and change, I think, is going. So I've heard Walmart is pretty cutthroat. Are they as cutthroat as everyone says that they are? <laughs> you know, it's interesting. The, I really, just speaking from our experience, they have been very receptive, very supportive, and um, and they've been a great brand partner. I, I have no complaints. I'm, I'm actually really grateful that we have that opportunity, and I'm grateful for the experiences we've had so far with them. We talked about Amazon. You guys are on Amazon. You're fulfilled by Amazon? Uh, we we uh, we do work with FBA, yeah. Okay, great. And so that means Prime on Maxine's Heavenly on Amazon. Correct. And how is that process like? Yeah. Either getting on Amazon or or FBA. It's definitely challenging. Um, and you know, it's interesting because I'll, I'll be totally candid with where we are with with FBA. We have a soft baked gluten free vegan product that is. Um, sensitive to things like temperature and it's um, structurally sensitive so it can't really be thrown around so we've actually had some early challenges with FBA in that um, it's it, that's not the best environment for them uh, so the, the warehousing process can be disruptive and so we are probably looking at pulling back and owning our Amazon business until we go through some scaled packaging changes um, and then we'll probably enter back into FBA when we feel like the consumer experience we can give replicates what we want the product to be. Um, so that was a great learning lesson and actually is for anybody kind of starting a brand. There's definitely, you see this shift in, in companies just starting with D2C and of course Amazon is a great um, asset for that. The best, I mean, that's where everyone goes first. But if you're not ready, um, you have to be very careful because we're, we're starting to field reviews that are really based on distribution and, um, but it reflects on our brand and anybody just wanting to learn about our brand or investors coming in, it's going to be one of the first places they look and they're going to see how consumers are responding. Um, and then the future success with Amazon is really contingent on, on those reviews and people's experiences. So we feel like we're going to pull that back and own it because from our own online website, we're getting a much better experience and that's the experience we want our customers to have until we're able to scale up. So it has all the potential in the world, but it's a, it's a tough terrain to navigate. Um, and it's also so nuanced in terms of all the different facets of like vendor central versus FBA, um, selling to a third party who resells for your brand. I don't think pe most people understand just how complex the Amazon system is and how many different ways you can be, and the brand registry, how many different ways you can be working with Amazon. So 
finding somebody who's really experienced in Amazon, if that's going to be your focus, I think is critical. Do you guys have an Amazon team member, like a team member that is focused on the Amazon side of things? Boy, I wish. Uh, no, no. <laughs> As CEO, I'm sure you wear many hats, right? I mean, I could give you a laundry list of people I wish we had, but and that would be one of them. But no, um, we don't, unfortunately. And uh, we, we do sell through a third-party reseller, though. Yeah. We see two different types of packaging here. Mm-hmm. How many different types of packaging do you have, and how many different flavors are there? Yeah, so we have... Um, so we have 7.2 ounce bags, gusseted pouch bags, and we have four ongoing flavors and one seasonal flavor. That's a pumpkin pecan spice that comes out in the fall. Uh, it's actually really spectacular flavor. It sounds good. <laughs> yeah, it's like punchy in the face, but nutmeg and spices and delicious pecans. It's really, really nice. Um, and then we have those same four everyday flavors in our uh, 1.8 ounce snack pack. So they're like two cookies on a tray, like a Reese's peanut butter cup type thing, um, flow wrapped and then gets merchandised in front of the store or on top of the hot bar or at juice bars or in uh, coffee shops, that sort of thing. Very cool. I'm about to ask you a question that most investors don't want to hear the answer to. Uh-oh. It's a very tough question. Okay. If you had to work on a different product, it doesn't have to be a food product, but if if let's say you can no longer work on Maxine's Heavenly, you needed to work on a different product, create a different product, what would it be? Ooh, that's tough. So outside of my Maxine's Heavenly life. Yeah. That is a tough question. I have to say that I don't know, but pro- I know it would it would be something in, in the vegan or plant-based world. I'm so thrilled by by the momentum this field is experiencing. And I have such pride that I can say I've been involved in it for so long. Um, and I, I just feel like it would be probably an extension of those values. And maybe that, maybe it's not a product, maybe it would actually be a physical location because I have some ideas around that. Um, but uh, it would probably, it would be, a if it's a, in the consumer packaged goods world, it would be some sort of plant-based wearable or consumable item. So I don't, I guess I wouldn't be falling too far from the tree here's another tough question if you were to name your favorite dessert and it couldn't be maxine's it could be cookies but not maxine's what would it be oh that's 100 percent easy and it's a donut a donut yeah, yeah. and where's your favorite donut oh man i have to i have to name it okay so there are amazing vegan donut options surprisingly one of the most solid and consistent ones is, is whole foods they have a fantastic vegan they donut. do have a good vegan donut am i right yeah okay so so good that maple one oh the <laughs> maple one the blueberry one and then they have fantastic vegan scones by the way which would be a close runner-up but donuts at the top of the list and um there's a place in so i'm southern california i'm los angeles there's a, a really fantastic donut place called Donut Friend. I don't know if you've ever Donut been. Friend. Uh, that is now on my list of places to go down yeah. in LA. Yeah, it's pretty spectacular. There are two locations and um, it's a whole experience. And I went with a group of friends and we got, um, you know, like 14 donuts and like basically rolled ourselves out of the store. But I, I highly <laughs> encourage it. You can learn more about Maxine's Heavenly at www.maxinesheavenly.com. Robert, are there any last insights that you might have for our listeners today? No, I think just um, 
be authentic and figure out your own voice in, in the world. I think there's some awesome things happening. I love the conversations you're having and the direction you're taking this, this dialogue around, around um, the changing of lifestyles. I think it's an awesome ra- wave. We should all ride it and ride it in our own ways, not just latch onto it because it has momentum, but find out why we truly connect to it. Get involved and see where it takes you. Robert, thank you so much. Thank you, Alex. Thank you.